Hello, this is Tony Lowe with the TVC podcast. I um been making plans for a while now to uh, get get out of Dodge and um, make my way into the countryside and try and become a farmer. I've always believed to some degree that it's you know it's important to have practical skills in life, but you know farming has a specific specific appeal to it. Because you want to try and develop and combine practical skills to make yourself self-sufficient, right? Reliant on the sweat of your own brow instead of being reliant on this super hyper-cybernetic beehive that we all live within, right? In the cities. So, you know, for the last kind of few years, I've been developing different skills, um, you know, namely within the construction industry more. I want to spend more time learning things like self-sufficient energy and farming and these kinds of things. But, you know, I've been building up some repertoire of of knowledge. And um, that's all to push towards hopefully getting some land or getting a small house or even a smaller house or perhaps even like a little shack or something um, with enough space to have at least a, a garden or a small field um you know hopefully get some crops get some chickens get a wife get some kids um meet my neighbors and start to build a life which is back with the soil i think where we belong not detached from everything within you know the the confines of the sprawl now when i explain this idea to people um they sometimes get the impression that i'm like kind of living in fear because one of the things that I used to uh, explain why this is this is even on the cards is because I think society is unstable um, I knew enough and learned enough about economics and politics a little while ago to understand that this is all kind of built on sand and it's amazing in some senses that it's even still going. But like if you just look at the financial markets, for example, like the fact that our financial markets don't crash t- today is miraculous in its own way. So, and I think another thing is like, you know, if we zoom, if we wind the clock back to COVID, when we had a very, like a relatively mild scare and you saw how quickly all of the shops became empty, you know, that gives you a slight intonation of just how quickly things can flip um but the thing is it's not just because i want to be prudent i mean that was that was i think the first thing to mention is living on a farm or if is making these kind of decisions living in fear or just living prudently because that's what one of my friends said they said well I wouldn't make any preparations for, say, like a a bad collapse because I don't want to live in fear. And I thought, yeah, but if you put your seatbelt on in your car, are you living in fear or are you just doing the prudent thing in case something goes wrong, right? Like, if I save up over a couple of weeks to pay my rent, am I living in fear? Like, well, arguably, because I fear that I won't be able to pay my rent. But isn't that just prudence, right? And so that's kind of how I view this situation. But but anyway, let's um what I really wanted to talk about was the fact that it's actually a win-win situation. This idea of going on a farm and becoming self-sufficient 
is a win-win. And what I mean by that is it's not just good if there's a collapse. It's also good if there isn't one. Like it's just I genuinely believe it's just the better way that we can live our lives, especially now that we're um, we're having to deal with the modern world. So I wanted to kind of speak through that. So let's start by hammering home the idea of why it's sensible to become a farmer if, if there is going to be a collapse. So obviously, let's say that you're living on a farm somewhere, uh, preferably like a few dozen kilometers outside of the nearest city where no one can like easily walk up, up into your land, maybe tucked in behind some hills or in a field somewhere. And let's also say you've got a few neighbors around you. And let's also say that you've spent like a couple of years getting your crops ready and you've got a little pantry, a little storehouse, um, maybe some equipment to keep yourself defended, all this kind of stuff. Now, if a collapse does happen, what, what do we really mean by a collapse? Well, it can come in a number of different forms. Um, there could be some kind of natural disaster, but it's not really what we're talking about. We're talking more like societal, the system breaks, right? We have like a blue screen on the computer. There's a crash. And let's say, for example, that, well, let's say the grid goes down. Yeah. Let's say we, we actually have an energy crisis. And let's say the grid goes down for like a week or maybe even like two or three days. Now that means, what well, it means no light. In most cases, it now means no heat. Well, not most, but in many cases, it means no heating. In many cases, it means no ability to cook if your stoves are electric, powered by electricity. No internet, obviously, right? So that's going to throw a lot. That's going to throw a lot of people through a loop. Um, there's going to be no. Well, there's going to be no refrigeration, right? So what's that going to do to your food storage? Okay, yeah, there might be a lot of food that you keep in your freezer. First of all, how much food do you keep in your freezer if you live in, in like the city or in the suburbs? And secondly, how long is that food going to last if that refrigerator suddenly turns off for a week, right? Um, now, if you don't have any electricity and you don't have any, if you start to run out of food and all of the, because if, if all the infrastructure is based on electricity as well, like, all the traffic lights, for example. Um, you know, if you've got no internet, all the sat-navs are going to start working, all this other kind of stuff. Like, if that all happens, um, how quickly are things going to start getting really, really dicey? Uh, how calm are people going to stay and for how long? Keeping in mind that social connections are not what they were, say, like in the Second World War era. Um so that's if you've got like electricity thing. And, and, you know, parallel to that, these things can all be connected in their own way. Um, if, for example, the supply chain stops, right? So maybe there's a fuel crisis or maybe because of the electricity crisis, um, there isn't enough infrastructure to get the delivery trucks from A to B. And if you need the delivery trucks to, say, take food from the farm to the shop, that means the shops aren't going to have any food. How many days does there need to be no food in the shops before people start panicking? When people start panicking, how much food is there going to be left in the shops? And after that, how many delivery drivers are going to want to come back to the shops where people are lined up outside desperate to get the first bit of food they can get their hands on, right? So 
yeah, there's a supply chain glitch that can throw things completely through a loop. Um, what else? Oh, the financial market. Yeah, if uh, if the billions and trillions of pounds and dollars worth of debt that the world is in finally gets called back, and the confidence, uh, the confidence stops. Um, all of your money is no longer worth the paper that it's written on. All of those numbers in your account, basically, well, they don't mean anything. And after that, how soon does, uh, how long does it take for people to start going a bit booky? So, obviously, so these are a couple of contingencies that can happen. There are other ones as well. But the basic idea is, would you want to be in a city or a suburb when that happens? Would you want to be in an apartment block, for example, where you have maybe one refrigerator, um, a couple of cupboards in the kitchen where you can keep maybe like two weeks worth of food um, and praying that if the electricity stops, the water doesn't stop as well because you've got no running water in a, an apartment building. Um, well, do I even have to explain how much of a problem that's going to be? So look, this is all just a roundabout way of saying if anything did kick off, the cities are going to go crazy. There's going to be no food for anyone. It's going to start getting ugly really quickly because when there's no food or when there's little food, people are going to start fighting for it. Um, and, you know, in some of the cities, you've got hundreds of thousands of people stacked up wall to wall with each other. And there's nowhere near enough resources in those places to keep everyone fed and happy. You definitely won't be able to produce it there, right? So, obviously, if you think that's even a possibility, then it would be much, much better to live in the countryside somewhere where you can produce your own food, preferably store and collect your own water, whether that be using wells or using rain collection, um, and you know, produce and store your own food, uh, ideally coordinate with a couple of neighbours, you know, oh, you've got a tractor, I've got a chainsaw, um, I can help you, I can give you some of my carrots if you help me carry the damn things, all that kind of stuff. It's obviously just better, isn't it? Because the, the, the cities just lose, lose their minds, they all collapse and fight amongst themselves while you're, you're tucked away somewhere with your family, keeping them safe. And it's probably going to be hard by that point because you're still going to, say, have your own um, supplies and, and contingencies affected. You know, if you sometimes rely on the supermarket for certain things and that they no longer exist, and well, that's its only issue. Um, but, you know, it's a damn side better than being trapped in an apartment building with, with no grid. So that's the first idea. But why is it even if a collapse doesn't happen, even if a collapse doesn't ever happen, whether it be in our lifetime. Well, actually, no, that's the other thing to mention. That's the other thing to mention. Because a collapse could happen, but we don't know whether it's going to happen today or in five years from now or 20 years from now or in a couple of generations. Because one of the things I also think is like, okay, so... Even if a collapse doesn't happen in my lifetime, and I pray that it doesn't, I really, really don't want to have to deal with one. But even if it doesn't happen in my lifetime, then may it happen in my children's lifetime. 
And if so, what contingencies and safeguards are they going to have if that happens? Because I'm still making this transition from the urban life to the rural one. It's probably still going to take me quite some time. But man, if they can start with the rural life and they can start like learning farming skills, for example, from like a young age, then the situation they're going to possibly be in by the time it becomes relevant for them is going to be way stronger than what I've currently got, you know? So it's like, okay, yeah, so even if the collapse doesn't happen in this generation, what about another generation? And again, is it a fear thing or is that a kind of a way of me just kind of like making sure my my kids have got their seatbelt on when they're driving through history, right? Which we know is, which we know from history is a pretty treacherous road. So that's that's the other thing I think of. But Look, let's let's take the whole idea of collapse out of the equation. I think that's what I wanted to really weave round to by the end of this episode. Even if there isn't a collapse, is this idea of giving up the cities, giving up the urban lifestyle, giving up all the opportunities that it has, giving up all of these like connections and, and all the glitz and glamour of the place, a rule of is all of that worth it? to move to a farm and start raising crops with a family? Yes, is the simple answer. Absolutely yes. And why is that? Well, because despite all of its glamour, apparently, uh, urban living is a very ugly way to live. And I mean that even for wealthy people. Like, it's ugly, obviously, if you're in a council estate or... um you know, a concrete block of flats. But it's also an ugly way to live for people who maybe have like a nice townhouse in the middle of London. Now, why is that? Well, because you're disconnected. First of all, you're disconnected from nature, which I think is very important. Um, my favourite example of that was I was once working as a roofer in London. I don't know if I've already mentioned this. I'm sorry if I have. But I was standing, because obviously working on the roofs, I was always standing at the top of the building, and I worked in three different parts. I worked in the north, I worked in the centre, and I also worked like towards the south of London. And no matter where I was, standing on those roofs, there was nothing but buildings from one horizon to another. Now, not only is that ugly, but it's got this horrible disconnected claustrophobia to it as well now maybe you can put that down to like an aesthetics thing but what what is the actual like lifestyle like in the city as well then well if you're working in the city you're probably working a city type job right maybe you're sat behind a desk all day or you know having to do spreadsheets or wearing a suit and tie running around making phone calls um usually for some faceless somebody who has more money than you who you work for and always just playing it week by week to make sure you can pay your rent um now you then you take that money and you go to the supermarket and you buy this food which is from uh, some faceless somewhere and it's of questionable quality and and probably covered in pesticides but you, you buy it anyway because you want to make sure it's ready for the one or two kids you have at home because you don't want to have any more because it's too expensive to keep them in the city. So you buy the food you can, you take it home, you start cooking it. And then you finally see your kids after not seeing them for the whole day, right? Because what you've done is you've basically outsourced them to 
um, an indoctrination babysitting company, which we call the schools. And so your, your kids are being in school without the guidance of their parents, being raised by someone else, um, whilst being indoctrinated for eight hours of the day. And they come home, they rendezvous, rendezvous with you, and instead of going out and enjoying nature, basically being kids, they then go up to their rooms and plug themselves into cyberspace for like four hours. Um, now, how do you compare that to the farming life if you can really pull it off, right? Well, first of all, you step outside of your door and instead of being crammed in by buildings, you have the sky and the earth that God made for us right there for you to breathe in on your front door. Um, and it gives you a sense of space. And now with that, you go about your work. Now your work is hard. Farm work is hard work. But you're on your feet and you're using your hands and you're really pushing your body to the test. Because I know from enough office work that I've done in the past that you know if you sit behind a desk for nine hours a day, it might sound easier on paper, but there's a real pain that that can give you as well. That I think it's harder to describe in its own way. It's... it's, it's dull it's a dull pain that goes throughout your whole body and it, it's it kind of just seeps in through inertia whereas from all the physical work i've done i know that if i'm like burning through my muscles all day like trying to lift and shift things then yeah i'm aching by the time i get home or by the time i go to bed but it's an enjoyable ache whereas sitting behind a desk is an unpleasant comfort really interesting how it balances out right so yeah you go on you go and, and where are you working well you're working in your own soil in your own field right and you're growing your own food of a quality that you know about because you're doing it and i think it just creates this connection between the different facets of your life right in in a city everything else is outsourced right you, you need you actually need food to live you need water to live but the whole process of getting the water from the well into your mouth is completely outsourced to some just shadow entity somewhere and you don't you take it for granted then because you just turn a tap and there it is you take your food for granted for the same reason but how much more meaning is there in the day-to-day -day activity of planting your seeds and gathering your water when you know that's what you need for that evening to feed you and your family, you know, I think it has a richness and depth to the entire to the entire thing that you just don't find in in other in other settings. So I think the life is harder on a farm, but it's richer and it's more fulfilling, and I think that's what it has to offer. And just to add to that. Now, instead of outsourcing your children to somewhere else, because obviously the best idea for a farm is, is to try and, say, a homeschool or bring the children up with you as you're, as you're working. Um, instead of being away from your children all day, you can be with them all day, every day, as they're growing up. You can teach them things. Instead of leaving that to someone else, you can teach them how to dig, how to maybe hunt, how to farm, how to gather, how to make things. Um, how to spot different animals and different plants and how to tell what they are, all this kind of stuff. Um, and so you, you can be teaching them whilst bringing them up with a more intimate connection as well. 
and hopefully with their brothers and sisters too, without just leaving them in cyberspace to try and find themselves. So, you know, if you combine that now together with a community, and there's not just you doing that, but there's like 10 other families around you, and they're all getting their hand into the soil, and they all know that, you know, if I if I only need 10 sacks of wheat to feed my family, but I produce 12, then that's another two I can give to the neighbors next door. Maybe they'll give me a bag of their oranges as, as a, you know, as a way to help. And how much more meaning is there in the soil if you know that's that's what the rewards are going to reap? Um, my children are going to grow up knowing their children, knowing the other children from down the street. And instead of being atomized like we so are in the urbanized world, where you can have thousands of people living in the same street and none of them knowing each other, instead of that, we have this small community where everybody knows everyone else. And we actually have a sense of community again, where we're all living and working for ourselves, our families, and for each other. And when we know that every single thing we do in our day matters, and it's for a good reason. And even if the world never fell apart and you were simply living that life, I think that's a good life to live. So that's all for that one, I think. So thank you for your time. Uh, go to tonyvclow.com, all lowercase, so T-O-N-Y-V-C, the letters V-C, L-O-W-E, dot com. Um, and yeah, thank you all for your time. God bless you.